there are two segment of people. One is very high on IQ. These are smart people, right? Uh, very savvy. What is it doing and so on. Uh, when you come to management level, your EQ need to be very high, right? Uh, because uh, the emotion part of it, basically, because everybody have a vision, everybody have an idea what they want to be and what they want to do. Uh, you can work in the best company, but if you find your boss is not there, not supporting you, you won't enjoy the work. And the boss job is basically to identify each of team members, what is their passion and what is their vision that they want to work in the company. Because everybody have their, I would say, objective of working. For technical guys, they want to see uh, how. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.com. FIRL.co slash FREE or www.firo.co slash free. All right, guys, welcome back to the Fire Podcast, best place for long term stock investors. Today, we have Dato Siva with us. He is the non executive independent director of Media Prima. So, we have a high powered guest today. But every high power cast has a humble beginning. And right. this beginning is one of the most unique that I've ever heard. And actually, you are a... Wait, before that, welcome to the podcast, Dato Siva. Thank you, MJ. Thank you for welcoming me here. Right. Thank this you. is the first podcast that uh, you've done. After, yeah. After the pandemic, yes. After okay. so long, yeah. It okay. Is, it is. So for those who are listening, like, some context is that You're actually an archaeologist by training. By training right. and also by my first degree, yes. So, but before that, right, how did that, uh, let me ask it this way, how, what, what were you like when you were young, right? And uh, how do you even get into the world of archaeology? Oh, I think uh, as usual, as a Malaysian student, I, I studied, I, I need to go to Form 6 because yes. uh, my parents can't afford to send me overseas at that time. And basically, I was uh, offered a place in University of Malaya And I got few choices, uh, whether I want to do archaeology or some Malay studies or some Indian studies. So I choose archaeology because I find it's more exciting. Okay. Right? At the, it's more intriguing. And as, as, as a, at least I can do a lot of, uh, I was it's more exciting for me. Right. Yeah. Why was it difficult to do something more conventional? Why was it difficult to do something conventional? Yeah, so oh. per- perhaps, uh, mm. you know, something like engineering. Oh, because, typical, I, because at that point in time, right, those were the options. Oh, because maybe because the grade that I got it in STPM, because ah. they, you must have certain grades. Uh, we have certain yes. quota system in Steam Laya. Yes, yes. Right, so I was qualified for this type of, uh, what's it, this type of studies in Steam Laya. Right, right, right. So I choose archaeology because, as I said, I find it's a uh, very exciting, mm-hmm. and I think you can do a lot of analysis about human being and so on. So, guys, <laughs> true. What what does an archaeologist actually do, and what's a day to day like? Well, I think uh, depends which part of the uh, which part of the world. I think certain uh, some archaeologists in the western part of the world or even the Middle East and so on, they actually go to the site mm. and do excavation. 
and start digging the past. I'm, mm. I'm sure to people who are in the layman term, it's basically becoming Indiana Jones. Yes. Right, Indiana Jones. But of course, it's not that simple and not that exciting as Indiana Jones because you do a lot of analytics part of, of people dusting, well. dusting right you need to be very meticulous yeah. right you can't just use bulldoze and bulldoze thing through because you'll be going to destroy some of the evidence and so yeah yeah right you should be very meticulous you need to be very patient and analytics analytical about things so why why, why okay so i understand the patience uh detail uh, why analytical because so that you can relate back why at that point of time people are using certain tools people are doing certain uh maybe certain mold certain equipment and so on because to suit at that point of time because i think you know those days we are not as modern as now we have a lot of machineries we have a lot of tools to simplify our life but those days i think a lot of things are not that simplified <laughs> And so something you shared with me very interesting is uh, that uh, emojis yes. is actually how our ancestors <laughs> communicated. Yes, it's, it's very exciting, right? Because basically, uh, when uh, I started in telecommunication industry back in 1991, one of the pioneers, yeah. back in 1991, right? And year 2000, after the 3G and 4G started having uh, emojis coming to the real world, basically, nowadays you don't type or put in words a lot of things. Basically, As the English saying, saying uh, picture thou- thousand thousand words, yeah. words, right? So basically, those days, I think uh, in ancient time, people doesn't understand how to communicate. Their way of communication is basically using symbols, right? So now I think we are taking the symbols back. Yeah, and communicating via 4G's and 5G to telecommunication because words are com- more confusing. I would say confusing, <laughs> and people want the simplicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nowadays people want to have a uh, instant gratification, especially the youngsters, right? Yes, yes. The yes, new yes. generation want the instant gratification and so on. They don't want to articulate too many things. Yeah. They want to make it. Uh, if they're angry, just put emojis there with a red face as an emoji. Angry. Yeah, sad, yeah. they put a sad emoji and so, yeah. 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 Oh, that's a very interesting. We, we always think of emojis as something new, but no, really it's not. No, no, not really. Uh, but, you know, um, as far as archaeology, when we think of archaeology, we, we tend to think of it as this out there, you know, fringe thing that people study. And people often associate archaeology with Egypt. Right, right, right. That's where we learn, you know, the Rosetta Stone mm, things like that. Right. But I was actually quite surprised to find out in Malaysia we do have some archaeology talents, right? And uh, you know, I said that they were in, in Penang, I believe. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong. There are other places. Yeah. And is it as exciting in Malaysia in terms of you know sites, excavation, and all that? I, I think we have a quite exciting uh, archaeology sites. Okay. But I think uh, we need more encouragement from the government, mm-hmm. right? More funding and so on because it's not easy and it's not cheap to excavate okay. things, right? Basically, uh, the famous like a uh, Professor Zurana Majid from Penang. My supervisor was Leong Sang Huing and Professor Ko Ke Kim in University of Malaya and ah. so on. Oh, well, Ko Ke Kim. Ko okay. Ke Kim was, yeah, one of the, the, the supervisors. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. He's one of the famous, I would say, the walking history of Malaysia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we have a couple of places like uh, my ex uh, my thesis was based from Lembah Bujang in Kedah. We have few more places in Lengong Pera. We have some in Johor and so on. But I think we are not actively doing that right. at this point of time. Uh, maybe due to the civilization and also the level of development that our country have, because okay. we are more focusing and building people. Basically, we want to provide more uh, work, more other opportunities rather than going to excavation. Right. Yeah. Because the government's budget. It's a limited 
So we can't simply go and uh, excavate. Why is it? Uh, why are excavations and things like that expensive? What's the main reason? Because it takes time. It's not excavate. Uh, you can't just bulldoze things. Yes. As I told you, when you excavate, you need to spend maybe sometimes years, sometimes months, right? Just to excavate maybe a few a few uh, meter square feet or a few ah. square feet, right? So it's expensive. It time consuming and so on. And I think we are uh, our country is moving towards more developing, getting more people to get uh, work and so on. Right. So that's why they spend our budgets are more skewed towards that, basically to provide more industrialization factories and so on, rather than spending more money giving to the archaeologists to <laughs> dig the past. <laughs> yeah. But what can people expect to find? Uh, because we have done some excavations, right? What can we find here? Right when we think of you know. Uh, Egypt, we are talking about cities. We are talking about pyramids. We are talking about tombs, things like that. Well, what can we find in Malaysia? We still have, uh, I think, uh, Lamba Bujang, the what the place that I did my thesis. Basically, it's a I would say it's a city by itself. Really? Yeah, it's a big city there. I, I I don't know how we define city, but I think it's a big uh, kind of a city. I, I was told it's around thirty to forty temples are buried. Right, it's it, a complex. It, it's a complex. Yeah, it's wow. a complex. Right, so every Uh, excavation area is a complex. It's not like just one house, uh, one small buildings. It's actually a complex where people. You must understand. Last time, there's not many places people can. It's a livable place. So basically, they build a complex where people can pray, people can stay, people can work, people can trade, and so on. How far back does it go? This complex that you discovered. Uh, like, what do you date it to? Maybe I don't have offhand. Maybe thousand six hundred more than that. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I don't have it offhand to be honest with you. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, But a, a long time, lah. Long, long time back. <laughs> long time. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is a investing and business podcast. So <laughs> right. we will talk a little bit less about um, uh, archaeology now. Even though I really want to <laughs> ask more. I understand. But uh, I, you know, you mentioned you were a pioneer in the telecommunication industry in the nineties. That was the period where Tun M. Was really bullish on the MSC, the multi-billion corridor, um, and you interestingly you started out at Sapura, correct? Yes, in the very early days. Yes. So yes. walk us through like what was it like in the early days? Oh, it's amazing, right? Because it, back in 1990, I started immediately after my graduation in New Zealand, yep. but I started as a sales guy in uh, Sapura 1991. So that time we start selling. The Chinese used to call it taikotai. It's a huge, yeah, the uh, big walkie-talkie. Big walkie-talkie. Right? It's not yes. walkie. It's a, a handphone. It's uh. like a small suitcase, right? Suitcase size. It's like almost like 15 to 18 kilos, right? And anybody that carries that, they know it's a tycoon. Yes, it's a very rich guy because the price is almost twenty thousand. Wow, back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays you can have uncles, aunties, you know, anybody carrying handphone, even the school kids, right, carrying yes, handphone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we started that, and uh, and also we start selling some fax machines and so on. Because nowadays I think you don't even see fax machines. A lot of people don't even know. <laughs> don't even know what's fax machine. I'm not sure whether you know. Yeah. So uh, we start selling those things, and Sapura those days, as you know, is very well known for the. Uh, I would say one of the. Top Bumiputra company in Malaysia, where all the foreign, I would say, vendors or principal will come to Malaysia and look for Sapura to distribute the product. Even Sapura is one of the first one to do Apple products in Malaysia. Wow! Back then, back then, yeah, back then. This must have been the Macintosh. Macintosh and so on. We were the first one, right? right. Back then, yeah. We so, tend to think of Sapura now as an oil and gas company. Absolutely. But back in the day, it was. More yeah, tech company or communications company. Uh, I would say tech company because we are the first one also to manufacture desk phone. 
and to supply to all the houses to Telecom Malaysia. Oh. If you remember those days, uh, the the that's phone, right? So basically, we used to supply that to all Telecom Malaysia. That's one of the I would say early days of Tansi Samsudin got his contract, uh, right. got breakthrough to the in the industry Telecom. From there, he start building, uh, distributing uh, IT products, telecommunication product ranging from key phones. Mobile phones, fax machines, yes. and so on, and also uh, then he also diverted into IT. Right. So that's why he starts uh, distributing some softwares, Apple products, HP, right. uh, HP desktops, right, and also laptops. But laptops was very rare those days. Of course, of my course. time, <laughs> right. If you carry laptops, you are you are somebody very seniors and so on. Right? What is uh like? How long were you there for? And like, what were your big Key learning lesson because I can imagine the formative years of your career. Right, you mm. as the name suggests, like form, mm. forms you, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what what do you learn there? You know? Well, Sapura was an amazing company because very entrepreneurial base. I have a very good set, good set of bosses with me this, those see. days, right? And we are very uh, we are given a quite a good free hand to develop the business, mm. right? And I think we used to do like uh, selling handphone used to be like a hundred million per month uh, turnover of uh, wow. handphones and so on. Right, so we used to do billion ringgit of handphone because those this handphone is just booming and picking yeah. up very yeah. fast. Yeah, right? so although the price was two three thousand ringgit, alright, but uh, we are doing. We are one of the largest distributor in Malaysia. We carry almost every brand: Motorola, Ericsson, Nokia, you name it. Right, uh, Samsung was not that famous that day, but these are the three brands that very right. popular brands. Right, I, I mean. After that, you you had a before Nokia, which is a, a I will get to it later on. Um, you were also in 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 places like IBM, correct? Yep. Sweatel, uh, Alcatel, uh, which is a Scandinavian company. Alcatel was French company. French, sorry, French. Yep, and also uh, Maxis, right? Yep. So this was the period before joining Nokia. Correct. Uh, what was that like? Because there are many names here. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing because I always uh, love technology. Although I did archaeology, yes. just to get a degree, right? I just want to get a degree that from University yes. Maya. And but my inclination is always through technology, right. right? So I I did a lot of self learning of technology. So after Sapura, I managed to join a very reputable operator in Malaysia, one of the top operator, Maxis. Mm-hmm. So I was a head of enterprise. So basically, I was focusing on enterprise segment in the Malaysia. And you still sales, right? In the purely sales. I was more on sales management. Always have been sales management, okay. right? So after uh, I was staying there for a couple of years, and uh, uh, interestingly, Maxis acquired my previous. Talco company from my, uh, from uh, Sapura called Adam 017. I don't think so. You guys remember Adam uh, 017 was known as Adam before Hotlink, right? Then became uh, Hotlink. Yeah, correct. Uh, because that's a brand. Because you must understand how the whole uh, telecommunication started in Malaysia back in 85 to 95. Uh-huh. So basically, Salcom uh, was given a 10-year uh, what you call embargo. Basically, they are the only operators can do mobile phone. Mobile or, or tele, uh, mobile telecommunication. So then, after mid nineties, so they you start seeing the birth of Maxis. You have Salcom. Uh, sorry, you got DG and so mm. on. So coming. So they, because they want to liberalize the telecommunication segment. So Adam uh, got a tel, uh, Adam stands for Advanced Digital Access Mobile. Right, it's called Adam. It's a given a prefix of zero one seven, and they were operating for a couple of years, and Maxis acquired the company. And I now see. they rebrand as Zero One uh, Hotlink for their prepaid, 
right? Correct, uh, correct. Postpaid is zero one two, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. So that's how. Then I after that I move on to Alcatel. I I, I was so interested uh, see how the Alcatel the multinational works MNCs especially the developers. Yes. Oh, plenty, right? But basically, they are more organized and structured, right? I think, uh, and they do things. I think because you must understand the uh, the manufacturer who who try to direct the industry. So basically, they do a lot of R and D. They want to tell you after one G, two G, and three G how it's supposed to be. What the scope of two G, three G is? Yes, so it's very interesting. So it's a different thing. They have a lot of R and D and so on. Of course, I'm not into R and D, but at least we have the preview of what's happening for the next three years and five years right. in those industry especially on the telecommunication and also the data industry right yeah so um was it like working with uh, in your experience mm-hmm. uh, like work you i assume you work with a lot of french people oh yes of, uh, oh, yes. europeans right yeah yeah what yeah. the different like working cultures i think uh in asian cultures Even now, I think relationship plays a long way and yep. very important role in organization, right? Whereas in a multinational, uh, maybe relationship take uh, maybe backseat. It more on performance, basically. It's more performance. How you articulate your boss? What's the new plan? New ideas that you bring up to the table to address certain segment of the market and so on. Right. 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 So. In in Asia is more on relationship, whereas in multinational is more on a uh, meritocracy. I see. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So do so do you feel like you you feel more at home and uh, in multinationals? I, I, I'm comfortable both because I okay. like both. Right, I think I being Asian, I, I love relationship. At the same time, I like to see things are done in a more systematic way. Right, right. I think more structured way and more with a visionary ideas to bring it to the bring back to the industry. Right. So correct me if I'm wrong. Right after this, you joined Nokia, and uh, according to our, you know, uh, common friend, you were the youngest, I believe, uh, MD for uh, Nokia, the four countries. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I, I won't say one. I'm young. I'm one of the youngest uh, okay. in the in the in the country. But as, because after Al Maxis, I was in Alcatel. Then I went to Nortel. Nortel mm. was very short to be honest. Mm. Only two years because of the the company had a problem. Nortel is the world biggest. Telecommunic company, okay, out of Canada, but they had some scandals, and I think basically the company been uh, uh, been collapsed, and basically they sell all their assets from the company, right? Then I went to IBM, mm-hmm. right, and after Switel, then I'm and Nokia. So I won't. I'm one of the youngest uh, to run the countries. I was running three countries for a while. That's uh, Maldives, Sri Lanka, and Malaysia. Right, 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 right. So, uh, sorry, you, I forgot to talk about IBM. So that that seems to be like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a it's an odd one out there because I mean, telecommunications, telecommunication, IBM. Yes, yes, it's too tech, but IBM is very different. Correct. What was so, it like? Yeah, I think you must understand when I joined IBM was towards late, uh, uh, 2000, basically 2007, 2008. Okay. And at that point in time, uh, in 90s, 80s, even early 2000, people always look at. Telco and IT are different. It's a it's ah, segmented, right? Okay. It's yes. a different box. But if you uh, if you look at the trend now, it's basically converging. So it's already start converging late 2000s actually, late 2000s. That's why I I was interested to look at IBM because I see a lot of things like Telco and so on move towards data, right? Right. Because last time when called handphone is only the most you do is talk talk talk. But yep. then you can send simple datas. 
right tax. but now tax you're right tax but now you can send even your file you can do emails with a mobile phone and so on so i already see the trends already moving towards convergence at those times right. so that's the reason i went to ibm so i'm one of the quite rare one in the industry that i can play both side i yeah. can do it and so can talk Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. I think that probably stems from your archaeology background, right? Where yeah. you need to be more of a generalist. Correct. You need to understand how things connect. Correct. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. And and if you want to be more analytical, I can be very analytical and look at things right. deep, how it things yeah, uh, supposed yeah, yeah. to be shaped and formed. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. I mean, like, so how about uh, like Nokia? Because you join in the period. Where it's after they've got, with all due respect, battered by Apple already, right? Right, right. And uh, I, I assume you were part of a recovery effort by Nokia. What, what, what was the context mm-hmm. okay. that you were in when you joined? Sure, Nokia. Nokia I think you must understand. Uh, back in early nineties, Nokia is the D company, right? Basically, the company for mobile phone. Right. right? You, you, you can't go wrong if you say mobile phone is Nokia. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a Colgate for uh, what do you call uh, toothpaste. toothpaste, right? So basically, so what happened is, uh, I think uh, Nokia didn't move much. I think because people already see uh, they were so contented with their own OS operating system, right? They didn't see uh, the other operating system like Androids coming in, Apple iOS uh, yeah. uh, operating system coming, and I think they lost the market. So the Nokia that I joined five years ago is a Nokia that we are we already transformed because Nokia is an amalgamation of a couple of companies like Motorola, mm-hmm. Panasonic, Alcatel. They acquired mm-hmm. this company and they also acquired a couple of uh, software companies and we are basically doing infrastructure. The towers, mm-hmm. the, the radio access network, the core network, the broadband systems and so on. So the Nokia that I joined is not the mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joined the infrastructure Nokia company. And that's the 5G yes, story, the right? Yes, 3G, 4G, 5G stories and so on, which is true. Yeah, right. Correct, correct. So that's more exciting rather than Nokia uh, handphone, right? It's more exciting to see how we can build the infrastructure preparing the country to move forward because you must understand, a lot of people don't understand telecommunication is a very important multiplier for the country's GDP. Okay. Besides construction. Okay. Besides construction. Construction is Provides a very good uh, multiplier for the country, yeah. maybe 15 to 20. Commodity, yeah. construction, absolutely, absolutely. architects, things like that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I, I find it's a very exciting because the 5G Nokia uh, or the 5G industry they're looking at is no more like the normal, the call and just send text. It's mm-hmm. basically we are trying to challenge how people think, how people work because we are trying to industrialize the whole uh, the economy of certain countries because we can come up with smart city, smart yes. manufacturing, smart health, IR 4.0, industrial revolution 4.0. You can 4.0. charge your phone with Wi-Fi. Exactly. So it's important. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's not just not speed. It's right. just uh, because even 4G can do if you're talking about uh, sending data, even 4G can do yeah, it. Yeah. 5G is how we do multiple processing. Right? That's why it, 5G can run a factories and so on because there are multiple uh, equipment to be processed and right. multiple data to be processed at, at 10 times or 100 times speed. Right. Yeah. So when you uh, join uh, Nokia, you were responsible for three countries, right? Correct. Malaysia, Sri Lanka, and Maldives. Maldives, right. So I'm going to guess, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that it was probably easier for the infrastructure planning in Sri Lanka and Maldives versus Malaysia because Malaysia, we already have a 4G infrastructure. 
or am i wrong to say no not really no most of the country already have a uh, 2g 3g okay. and 4g okay yeah, yeah yeah it's just uh i would say in term of advancement i think uh malaysia quite more advanced right because right. uh we can do more data transmission because our broadband or i would say our uh, if you remember a few years ago we uh, telecom malaysia launched a uh, initiative called hsbb high speed broadband mm. right so that's very important because for you to carry the data right even you have a mobile phone uh, because mobile phone use a the, the the limitation to carry data is there but if you use a uh, fiber it carries the data faster yes yeah to the transmission towers and so on so what are the challenges in building the infrastructure for 5 because i know for example that you need to build more towers in order for 5g to be prevalent correct but you know based on your industry insights what other challenges are there by rolling out 5g i think uh you are absolute point one we need to have more towers because uh if for 3g 4g Yeah. The distance of tower to tower transmission is a bit further, because it carries not many datas. But for 5G, uh, you can have 50 to 100 meter. You need to the the towers need to be very nearby so that you can transmit a bigger chunk of datas and so on. Right, that's one of the challenges to get sites, especially in the city center, because you also don't want to you need to blend the city with make it more aesthetic. Rather than putting tower everywhere, can you imagine the towers everywhere in KLCC area, Bukit Bintang areas, and so yeah, on? They yeah. need to be put very aesthetic. That's one challenge. Second challenge is to fibrize all the towers. You need to fibrize all the tower for us to for that to carry a big data so that it can really uh, what would say perform the five Gs to the optimum. Yeah. Right. So these are two major challenges, right? And you know, in Malaysia, to get a permit to start digging the road, not easy. <laughs> Absolutely, and we got different different municipal council, different state uh, authorities, yeah. and so on. It's you not easy. One few km have to apply another one. Exactly, apply right, another right. One. And also, uh, we must make sure that wherever place that we are digging, is uh, I would say we need to minimize the fiber cut. Malaysia one of the highest fiber cut in Malaysia. So can you imagine every time you dig, then people you lay the fiber, then people cut the fiber, then you get interruption in your services. Right. So we need to be very. Tech- Uh, tactical and uh, look at a, a, a real right place for us to put so that it'll be minimal of in yeah. term of uh, repairing and so on. and of course the cost must be immense oh, yeah. that's the reason i think the government came with a single vendor yes i was actually just about to ask you yeah, that because yeah. this was quite a controversial de- right, uh, decision right right i think the big five telcos now four because of four. the exactly dg merger right The big four weren't uh, too happy. Right. Mistaken. But give give me your take on this. Where do you, I mean, you obviously don't have to share uh, your stance if it's a bit too. Yes. Though, but where 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 we, where do you sit in this discussion? I, I think uh, I believe the telco operators and the government need, need to go back to the table. I was part of the uh, initial stage of the 5G planning. Okay. I was with the that time the minister was Gobin and so on. Right. So I think uh, there were certain uh, proposition on the table. I believe uh, because this we are doing for the country, is not the government right or the telco right. I think we need to take right. a more uh, conducive and consultative approach. Okay, we should sit together, all right, uh, and form a right thing for the country. As I said, 5G is not about who can talk faster, which country can uh, have a fast can call and so on. No, 
is I said is a very important component for the country's GDP. Yes. Right, there's going to be a very high multiplier of the country, and I can tell you some of the new multinational that looking at to invest in this country. 5G is one of them to tick in the box whether this country have 5G, mm. because they are looking in few years time. They don't want to have many many uh, cheap labors. Basically, right. they want to optimize the way they want to manufacture, the way they want to uh, manage their company, and so on. So it's very important. So I hope uh, the. Country management at the same time, the telco management will sit together mm. and start discussing a very, uh, I would say, in a very fruitful manner. Because right. the loser will be the country, the, the people, yeah. the riot. <laughs> But what do you think the government can improve on, and mm-hmm. what do you think the the big telco players can improve on in I this meeting of halfway? I think my take. I I I've been from day one of five yeah. G. Even before five G, right? I was part of the panel and the group that uh, we formed the five G consultative uh, industry. We got around sixty uh, uh, maybe uh, members from the ecosystem to look at the five G. I think the communication was a major issue. Mm. Right, I think uh, it's not like what I know everything. I will do it. <laughs> I think they should sit with the stakeholders and understand from their side. Yes, right, and, and I'm sure we can always meet halfway. At this point of time, I think uh, it looks like the communication was there's a big gap. The communication. Uh, I I, w- I don't like to indulge further, but I think that's the. I would say there's a basic that uh, okay. that makes the whole thing dropped. Yeah. So, uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. What do you think of the DG Exata merger? Are you at liberty to share <laughs> your your views on this? I think it's a uh, good for the industry. I think uh, really? our, okay. yeah, because our country, you must understand. Uh, I used to be also consultant before this. I used to be uh, part of the Sweetal. Also used to be a Telia mm-hmm. consultant. We are one of the f- consultant who did advise the government on last time. Uh, YMAX, mm-hmm. right? Uh, of course, our consulting uh, results are different. But that time, the late Minister Lim Kengi uh, came up with a different decision. Yeah. But that's a different topic for another day. But I think uh, for a country like Malaysia, I think we cannot have too many operators because uh, for operators to sustain, right? Uh, They need, need some sort of monopoly. You need at least ten to twelve million. Subs population, oh, yes. That so means we can only they, two they, or three only. Two or three, uh, max four, because certain countries they also segment, uh, segmentize their telcos. Maybe look at just enterprise or just look at broadband and so on. So I think we need to have a, a right blue plan for the country. As I said, it's very important how we're going to charter for the next eighteen months for the country because that's going to lure more multinational to invest, yeah. more people to come and work because now you can see people uh, a lot of. Multinational encouraging the people to work hybrid. Yeah, you can work from anywhere, right? Yeah. So I think 5G is going to be key criteria for our country to uh, deploy and do it in a proper and optimum manner. Tomorrow, Joe. How you judge the 5G rollout um, for Malaysia? Because you know if there's really talks of 6G even, right? Absolutely. Um, but how do you and and of course I think this is a thing that a lot of Malaysians always feel is that we're always a bit behind playing catch up, right? Um, how do you judge the progress right now? If let's your whatever your ideal is in your head, how far is it away from? Oh, that? we are very far to Borneo. <laughs> we are quite far to Borneo. I think 
in 1G, 2G, 3G, we are amazing. Yeah, we are what we used to know as a tiger of Asia. We are quite yeah. there, and we are very progressive, very right. fast. I think in the 5G, I think we are a bit delayed. Mm. I think uh, even the NSA, uh, the 5G that we're deploying is NSA versus SA. I, I find there's uh, some disconnect there to run with you because. Uh, 5G is more for the industry, I, I believe, especially in this country. We need to focus more on industrial uh, player. I think uh, we are only deploying NSC. I think we should look at as a standalone uh, so that we can really truly deploy the true optimum 5G's uh, technical capabilities. Right. Right, right. And I mean, you alluded to the um, uh, sort of the... the You said deadlock between the the government and the, the big players, yes, something like yes. that. Uh, But I think beyond that, what uh, what what other obstacles are there? You know, in terms of actually, you know, achieving this or that that's the big obstacle. I, mean, right? I think that's the biggest obstacle okay. because, see, uh, the government said they will be a single uh, wholesale network provider. That's fine. I think. Uh, They, they they might have very good reasons I understand but I think uh, we need to deploy it very quickly but currently all the operators are not on board mm-hmm. right so whatever we are doing uh, we're supposed to achieve almost 4,000 sites this year last year was 500 this year targets 3,500 site and I know we are not even halfway towards that and by site you mean the tower the towers like? yes absolutely right and right. this is for what is the number of sites required for the less quite 5G penetration to be similar to our internet penetration right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many towers do you need for the whole nation? I think they already did the planning. I think what the government plan was correct. Whatever they, they did mapping, I think they were looking at 97, 95% of total coverage. I think they have already did the uh, the whole, uh, we also the cell planning, they already did the planning. But I think planning is one thing, <laughs> right? Uh, we have very good plan, but execution is another topic. <laughs> so I think we are really lacking execution. I know there's a lot of challenges, but I'm I'm surprised. I think uh, we have a lot of uh, seasonal people who are running the 5G team. Right. Uh, and, and as I said, we need to get all the stakeholders to be on the table and agree on certain things and move on. So we cannot flip flop. We keep on flip flopping for many times. Really, we're I supposed to get the minister said by June is already done. Announced uh, May, uh, it's not done yet. The signing mm-hmm. was not done yet. Are you? Uh I mean, given the political situation in the sense that, well, there's general election next year. And I mean, I, I try not to talk about politics, but of course in the industry you're in, mm-hmm. we can't, as you say, it's a GDP multiplier, right. i.e. the pol- government must be involved. Right. But uh, are you, um, how do I put it? Are you optimistic, I guess, um, that we, we will overcome this in the time that we need to overcome? I believe so. I always, uh, I'm a Malaysian. I always believe we have gone through ups and down. I, I believe uh, it, it just we are going through uh, some small period of challenging, uh, challenging right. time now. I believe I think uh, we should able to pull ourselves up and move on again, right? But I think as I said, we already wasted some time. Yes, <laughs> yes. Of course, we had the excuse of COVID. We well, <laughs> well, COVID is not only for Malaysia; it's a global, global. phenomenon, yes, right? Correct. So I think we cannot say COVID. Correct. All right. Even last time in the economic crisis, if you, I, I don't know whether you were that I time. Remember, I remember. Yes, I, 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 I went through the economic crisis back in nineties, back in eighties, late eighties, and so mid nineties, right? Uh, globally, for affected, but we managed to have uh, come out with some ingenious ideas, some new uh, roadmap, blueprint, 
and we managed to overcome it and we were known as a tiger of asian yeah, yeah. so i think we have the capable people i think we just have to sit together get all the stakeholder put our ego aside put our self agenda aside worry about the country worry about the next generation do you think then therefore the um that really what will help is a much stronger government where because right now the you know the parliament is not what it used to be right 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 we have way more factions involved sure, sure. do you think that that is contributing to the you, you mean you mentioned words like flip flop uh, you mentioned things like we are behind do you think that contributes definitely for sure i think uh, not only for country for family mm-hmm. for maybe corporate yeah right for even associations you need to have a solid team right so you cannot have a fragmented team yes right i think the, the family st- the politics starts from the family if you uh, since i'm an archaeologist right the greek word, word of politics come uh, from the greek word is basically is basically start from the family mm. if the family unite then they build a community if the community unite they build a build a country mm. <laughs> so mm. that's where we having this problem now <laughs> so i mean obviously you cannot name names but you do speak to a lot of people oh, yes. who are very politically linked right to the government or what are the government themselves what is your gauge of the the mood right now No, I, I speak to a lot of political people. I speak to a lot of industry people. I speak to many, many people. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, I think the gauge. I think everybody uh, having the same idea. I think they have to make sure that uh, put the thing aside. I think just let's move on. I think uh, what's done is done, right? I think we need to really. A uh, uh, good thing is they are really thinking how can we move forward with the country, right? And also contribute to the riot. All right so that we can start getting fdi in mm. we can uh, hopefully our multiplier in the gdp is good and we can grow our gdp right so that's more on the government side so let's put yourself in the um shoes of the big players right uh what sort of players are talking uh, about uh, the, the telco players telco you know, players the, right the, right the maxis and sure, the, sure. even the tms of this world right sure um there's a fear that with you know thing as single vendor and all that they and even 5G also they may not be as profitable anymore mm-hmm. so today you know since you were running uh, Nokia right how no no more it was it was sorry was. uh how would you make the telco industry more profitable because i can tell you for a fact that um it's a commodity right data uh, things like that commodity someone offers this Uh, someone else is going to start cutting prices Absolutely. and giving you free iPhone, left, right, center, things right, like that. Right. Uh, the only sort of uh, business in the telco industry that I'm impressed by uh, from a like a business perspective is, mm-hmm. is Timecom, right? Because they have that unique advantage of not having to uh, fiberize the whole country or to bring internet to the whole country. So their cost is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. But if today you were running a, a, a telco, how would you navigate the competitive landscape? Because it's really not easy, right? Absolutely. As I said, 5G is not about consumer, mm. right? It's a very small fragment of consumer, basically more for gamers mm-hmm. because we need a very fast uh, yep. speed for the gamers. Mm. Um, well, we have like almost 122% penetration in Malaysia at this point of time, right? I think uh, basically almost 40 million users of a mobile phone and so on at this point of time. I think we need to really rethink how we want to position 5G. 
it's more important to look at uh, IR40 right digitalization the country because 5G is part of the digital agenda of the country of course right uh, but we are talking about it but i don't see anything concrete as i said we have a lot of plans yeah but the execution part is not there and i, I believe uh, they don't really have a lot of industrial people who understand how to do the blueprint how to move this thing uh, that's my uh, my small comment because i think uh, everybody just looking at a very uh, superficial or very surface man they need to look at deep how they want to move this thing right right and i think malaysia have a lot of opportunities actually we one of the biggest manufacturer of glove rubber gloves right we have the largest one of the important manufacturer of chipsets back in penang and so on. so there are many way to look at things how you want to segmentize how want you prioritize the way you want to deploy 5g right yeah so how but how would you do it like uh, because it's relatively new um how you package things Cause I, I, i'm boiling it down to a very simple level right if i i i get i go to my telco provider they say you got x amount you right. pay x amount of money or that how, what, what kind of packages would you build for of course this is in theory lah right now but how you how will you build these packages for let's say uh, let okay let's say top glove comes to you mm-hmm. how you structure a a package for someone like top glove that's uh, industry I, i i would say a simple thing that i we did in uh, when i visited my factory back in, no- in nokia right basically uh, that was two years ago when i brought some of the telco operators from malaysia i won't name them uh, i brought a very senior ceos and so on to visit our factory back in nokia those days when i was in nokia so we used to have a uh, 200 plus people right uh, we redesign the factory all right and optimize the factory we only had 25 people working in the factory mm. right and we start putting a lot of robotics arms and so on to do the manufacturing right and you don't get this mc issues <laughs> you don't have people not coming on time taking a long coffee breaks and so on because the factory works on the clock and so on so our productivity increased by almost 30 to 40% our cost although initially was increase but over a period of time right it decrease in fact the productivity went high the revenue went high okay so uh, two of my neighbors are the famous glove manufacturer in Malaysia Artalega mm. and also Supermax ah right, right, right. they are my neighbors are practically next door to my house right so basically i think uh, the government should start talking to people like Miti and so on see how can we look to incentivize those guys to start automating their factories and so on. At this point of time, I know they got tens of thousands of uh, foreign workers, right? And it's not uh-huh. easy to manage them because they have their own issues managing foreign workers and so on. And I think one of the, our blueprints is basically we want to do more on a uh, less labor incentive manufacturing, smart manufacturing and so on. But I've been seeing, the government's talking, but I haven't seen anything concrete blue plan. So I think people like Maida, Miti should really look at this. So yeah. as I said, 5G is not only the operator. All the other stakeholders, especially from MIDA, METI, the Minister of Communication, uh, Minister of Finance, should really look right and come up with a real blueprint. As I said, the panel that are looking at it, I think they don't have uh, very seasonal people who are looking how to structure this whole blueprint for the country. So you say that if you were in the, let's say if you were the Prime Minister, right? Oh, no. <laughs> That's far-fetched. Yeah, but you will bring in the industry leaders themselves to see what they need and how the telecommunication industry can serve them. Absolutely. I think as I said, 
5G is not about yes. consumer. 5G is about enterprise. Not only the glove manufacturer. There are so many SMEs too. Right? Yeah. How can we ask? Because SME is always a, also a big, uh, I would say, contributor towards 60, our absolutely to our GDPs. So yeah. I think we don't have enough those kind of engagement. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you were in telecommunications. 30 years, 32 right, years, 30 telecommunication years. IT. That's it. But then now you are in media, right? Right, right. right. Um, you are the one director of uh, Media Prima. Right. They have uh, many, many brands that sure. we are familiar with. And what made the switch? Yeah, one of the reasons I was... Uh, I was honored to be called to be part of the mm-hmm. board in the media prima. So basically, uh, one of the reasons that I was the thing is, we have uh, five segments of uh, business in media prima. Basically, we have a uh, 2,000 plus, almost 2,300 towers, mm. billboards. If you see the CalCC digital billboard, one of the biggest digital board in uh, BSC, we also have static billboards, almost 2,000 plus uh, along the highways and so on. The other thing that we have is wow shop. I think yes. you know Wow Shop is also part of a media prima group. We also have four newspapers. That's print. I think, as you know, uh, globally all the print industry are going down. Yes, it's a sunset industry. Then we also have radio, four radio stations. We have four TV stations, right? And and media prima have one of the largest content library in this country, largest and oldest like content library. Right, so we have a lot of uh, business. The reason I was brought in is basically um, those things need a transformation, and those transformation can be only done through a uh, technology, mm. right? So we are trying to digitalize a lot of things in our uh, archive. Yep. In the way they are uh, looking at uh, doing the business. Maybe it's called Ref uh, Media Group, right? Yes, That's Ref Media is our digital uh, digital arm actually, right? Right. right uh, which is uh, doing very well to be honest with you. One of uh, in fact our hit. For Ref Media is the highest for the country. Okay. After Facebook and LinkedIn, Facebook and so on, we are number three. We are the highest in the country. We are higher than other other publication. Oh, you mean uh, in terms of traffic? Traffic, yes, the highest traffic. Right, yeah, right. Okay. The third I'll, ta- I'll talk about Ref Media a bit later on, but I want to get your thoughts on um, starting with uh, television, right? Mm-hmm. I think now with social media, yeah, and you can extend this to newspapers as well. We do not. Get a big chunk of our sources from traditional media, right? Because it's very simple. Let's use the Ukraine war for example. Mm-hmm. We can get updates straight away from our phone. We do not need to wait for a newspaper the True. next day, like last last time. True. And uh, we don't even turn on the TV for news anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. It's more for uh, to watch Netflix or football. Right. Right. Um, And you know we also look at the uh, you know people like the star. Um, five years ago, revenue was like almost half a billion. Today is down eighty percent. Yes, right. Nothing they can really do about it. How is Media Prima's um, plan to keep the TV trees and TV sevens and the news rates times afloat? Because uh, I I mean Facebook has essentially, you know, pushed uh, you guys to the side. Uh, now with guys like TikTok, it's even yeah. faster, right? Right. How do you navigate this sort of environment? I I, I think uh, I'm not privileged to uh, 
reveal a lot of things but of course, i think on on th- uh, on surface or, or on broad uh, on on a, on a broader point yes. i think you can say we have a very good team i would say media prima have a very young and very good team towards okay. you and as i said ref media is our number one now actually they have been number one in the country right so we are looking at how streamlining the print media the uh, the tv media and so on into the digital media so we have some plans towards that and we are very confident uh, how we can go to navigate the market and so on. at this point of time we are very confident and we have a very solid plan okay so okay. for next two three years <laughs> so what is uh, ref media for some for like myself who we we I'm not, I I know very little apologies about uh, uh ref media mm-hmm. but uh what do they do so the ref media is a uh, media where, uh, where they do a lot of digital broadcasting we have few other brands called obulan some some for the chinese uh community some for the malay community and so on there are a couple of uh would say uh, like your podcast they have a couple of uh, different different genre yeah. addressing different different segment Uh, maybe some maybe for some news some for maybe games and so on and so forth so it's a, it's a collection of a uh, channel to do a uh, digital uh, medias right right which area in this segments which segments rather in this uh, ref media are you most uh, bullish about of course you are you are positive on all right mm-hmm. you think all going to do well mm-hmm. is there one that you feel like it's 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 going to be good I, I think most of them to brother see you those guys uh, I think you should uh, talk to the our CEO next time I think we, we have a very solid plan. in fact the current CEO that we having group CEO is actually from Ref Media mm. so he founded Ref Media and he was uh, because uh, Media Prima bought over Ref Media acquired right and, and and from there he become our group managing director now right yeah, right yeah so uh, I know you can share a lot but Maybe you can give us something that might be exciting <laughs> that, that that does not jeopardize uh, your position. Is there any such such things? In fact, uh, we are coming with a few. Uh, you will see some excitement market within next uh, 60 days to 90 days. 60 to 90 days. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, will, I will remember yeah, that yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's one thing that uh, I want to ask you, which which I found quite interesting, which is. Big Tree and PrimeWorks, mm-hmm. right? Right. How, how do they fit into the strategy? So Big Tree is PrimeWorks is our actually our build uh, our media for the I would say that our uh, our advertising board arm, right? Is it the advertising board? Right. So Big Tree because we acquired Big Tree, we have we have a major shareholder Big yes. Tree at this point yes. of time, right? So I think this is the outdoor uh, advertising that we do. So you must understand Malaysia in Malaysia. The biggest, I would say, uh, omni-channel, <laughs> omni-channel uh, media group. Not only in Malaysia, I would say one South of the unique ones in the world. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can wow. you can Google and see. I, I've tried to Google and so. I would say we are one of the most unique one omni-channel. Uh, in uh, I would say company in, in the world because we have, as I said, billboards. We have a uh, TV shops, wall shop TV. We have a. a print media we have a digital media we also have uh, audio right and tv so we are one of the most unique one because even i uh, compare in malaysia there's uh, i don't have to name them there's not many media company yeah you just name one of them star yeah, yeah, yeah. astro they don't have a full uh, gambit of product like us right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah the one stop shop absolutely that's why the advertisers love to come to us because 
if they come to one of the media we can put in them in all multiple media for them how how do i always want to understand a bit about you know working so of course you're not going to give specific details but how, how do you usually work right when they come to you uh do you how, how do you rank like okay if you are in radio this is the amount you you have to pay us if you want it to be on ntv7 this is the amount you pay how do you how do these dealings usually happen in you know behind the scenes right so uh it's not been, so what happened is the last two years we have formed a company called omnia mm. omnia is a single platform right which will be uh negotiating on behalf of all the platform that we have down ah. right so that we if not you don't have to go to every individual platforms right that going to be difficult for advertisers like you or industry players and so on so you just have to go to our omnia team right uh, is headed by dr michael so you just talk to him and he will give you the right package depends on the segment and the product in advertising is four piece right is a uh, price product please right and promotion so price product place and promotion right okay what, what is people or people legal or people yeah people four pieces okay okay walk me through these four pieces sorry well walk me through like the these four pieces no usually when you do sell product certain uh, even yeah. any you advertise is so you, you target as four pieces yes. right people okay right? what's the price right, <laughs> right. Yeah. what's the promotion you want to do okay which place okay. all right you cannot sell uh maybe uh Say, but you want to do some uh, sambals. You cannot sell to crowd in Kuala Lumpur. It's more suitable for Kelantan, Terengganu, and so on, right? So it's more for the place. Certain products suitable for certain place. Right. You can't sell everything to certain place. Okay. Yeah. So, um, in terms of the deals that you make with the advertisers, right? Uh, do you all track the things like your retention oh yes uh things like uh which is your most profitable clients things like that are you able to share any of this i can't share but we have our own now with ai right yeah you have to with ai we have everything right? right basically our data collects everything right so for example if i advertise product a yeah right uh what's the we were like Uh, where, uh, how much can we sell? How long have we been selling this and so on? Same even in the billboards, all right? We know how what's the eyeball like, uh, right? How many people are looking at that? Because sometimes we can put uh, certain QR scans and so on, so we know exactly we can track certain things. And right. So on. Yeah. I mean, since since you look at the data a lot, were there any things, any patterns that you recognize in Media Prima that surprised you? Um. I I wouldn't say surprise, but I think it's all been planned and strategized. So whatever I would say, as I said, uh, the media production team we have a very very good team, mm. right? As I said, they're young, they're very dynamic. At the same time, they are very tactical ah. or with, with the current CEO and also the whole management team. They're very tactical, and it's not by chance, by 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 luck. <laughs> it's all been planned and strategized, and we craft towards the strategy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I mean, before I move on to uh, something a bit more personal, um, what has been your big learnings from being in media? Because uh, you know, in the telecoms industry, in IT industry, even though you were doing sales, a lot of times you were selling, um, you know, physical products or things like that. But with media, you're selling something a bit more intangible, right? You're selling content, right? Um, what what are your big learnings from there? 
I think uh, is how you craft emotion of people. So ah. basically, how we tickle the emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of uh, media thing, a lot of things are uh, impulsive. Yeah. Right. So I think is how you get into the emotion of people and make them feel good and feel that yeah, I need this. Mm. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's very emotion things. Yeah. And so it's more on a psychology of people and so on. It's very interesting. Right. It's a totally different. And but of course, media prima is in a is in an area that can almost control right the narrative. Right for the country and all that. How do you navigate the politics? Because a lot of people will know about what's happening through you guys, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, you guys have the ability to put on a certain uh, narrative, and um, you also have to deal with a lot of politicians mm-hmm. who may mm-hmm. have influences, right? In right. the the media structure right, right how do you of course you are non-executive but uh, if you were in an executive position right how do you manage all these presumably very high-flying people i think at this point of time you can see the way uh, media prima broadcast the news or even print their news and so on we're quite neutral mm-hmm. i think we, because i think gone were the days that uh, we've been controlled and so on but basically We tell ah. us it is now. I think that's why you can see our readership or viewership is very high, mm. right? It's not seen a very bias and so on, right? Yeah, like uh, you, you mentioned control. Uh, that was very interesting. Like you felt that in the past, there was a lot more influence to swing one way or the other. Maybe in the past, maybe, right. but now it's no. It's quite neutral, and I think uh, we say as it is, right? And I think because nowadays you must understand with the. Uh, It's not those days right, that you can control the media. Now we have multiple media. Yeah. Even you can be a yeah, yeah, media yeah. house yourself, right? Yes. You have uh, TikTok, you you have uh, Facebooks, and so on. So you need to balance that part. Yeah. yeah. If not, people uh, slowly will shun away from your brand, which That's we true. do. And at this point of time, I can happily tell you that we got very high viewership. And right. people looking at us, I think we are quite neutral and so on. Yeah. Will you say that that is the big thing about media prima that people watch you because you are neutral? Correct. It is really? big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, as a last, just as the last few questions before we we wrap up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you you've been through so many different uh, companies. You have seen the entire. Industry of a uh, high tech industry, right? right. Uh, grow for over the past three decades or so. Right. Um, what do you think is other tips, right? You will give to someone in general to navigate the corporate world, to navigate technological changes. What are your top tips? I I would say only not only the corporate. I think even the young uh, people were coming to the working industry and so on, right? The, the industry. I think a lot of them think that uh, they must work smart. Uh, I have my cousins. I I meet a lot of young people. They want me to be a mentor and so on. I think uh, you need to be very work hard. Then ah. you can be smart. Okay, explain. Correct, because I think a lot of people they said if you're that working hard, you can be smart, right? Yeah. But you can't. You need to work hard. So that you will understand the corners and uh, and and also the junctions of life, right? So that 
then you can be smarter when making next decisions mm. right uh, so but some people they say you know no, straight away uh, i've seen a lot of uh, conglomerates especially local conglomerates and so on they say we put their kids uh, become the big Ooh. bosses and so on which mm. i think i wouldn't say is the right way i think they should the kids just should go 2 3 years go and work from other industries get the knowledge how the other industry or other companies working and bring that back to their own industry and improvise Ah. Yeah yeah yeah. So I always uh, encourage that. So right. if I summarize what you're saying uh it's that sure work smart but how do you know what's smart and what's not smart if you don't work hard? Absolutely. Absolutely because you don't go to the the mill. Uh, they said this yeah. there's a uh, old things that you must go through the mill. Yeah. Right right. You, you can't be that smart. <laughs> you earn your dues, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. But yeah. how do you manage uh, uh, people? Because you don't reach where you are without dealing with people. And yep. of course, you've met all sorts of people yep. right, Correct. in your life, right? Sure. What, what, what are your tips for, for that? Because I know a lot of people, especially a lot of our listeners, you know, they are not, uh, they, always, they will say uh, they're not people person because, you know, people like finance and all that they're more of the technical side of things how how do you what what advice will you give no i think uh there are two segment of people one is very high on iq mm. these are smart people right uh, very savvy what is it doing and so on uh when you come to management level your eq need to be very high mm, mm, right mm. Uh, because uh, the emotion part of it basically because everybody have a vision everybody have an idea what they want to be and what they want to do uh you can work in the best company but if you find your boss is not there not supporting you you won't enjoy the work and the boss job is basically to identify each of team members what is their passion and what is their vision that they want to work in the company because everybody have their i would say objective of working for technical guys they want to see uh, how can i do more r&d more, more how i can do more uh, Uh, go for more uh, kind of trainings and so on to do and enhance my knowledge. So that is their KPIs or that's what they want, right? right. Correct. For sales guys, maybe they, what they're looking is how can I earn more commissions, right? To sell more product and so on. So that's their objective. So the EQ comes on that objective. So this is, this guy need more technical uh, kind of inclination or this guy need more monetary inclination right. or some people need uh, boss need to talk to them and send them more for motivation calls and so really? on. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. It's, it's different people have a different way of doing things, right? Right. So being a leader is basically you must always uh, think yourself the orchestrator in, in in a big orchestra like Petronas uh, orchestra. Basically, you're the conductor. So you need to know basically should this guy play drums more or should you this guy play the violin so that the music can be yeah nice and soothing. <laughs> so you mentioned EQ and that's that's very interesting because there's a perception among some people that those who rise to the top right such as yourself um they have to step on people. Absolutely. Right? Only people can help you, right? People No, I think they 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 need to 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 step on others like to climb to they need to pull people down they need to you know you know I'm oh, oh, I understand okay you're talking about the company politics to to go yeah. up you need to step oh yeah, no no not at all i never step right. people basically right. i think uh, you ne- see we are in a very modern way you need to negotiate ah okay. right negotiate okay. and say this is what i want to do right and basically you cannot always get people agree to you 
you always must agree to disagree. Uh. <laughs> right. So even in my, uh, I, I've been a country head, a country MD many times, right? I I cannot make everybody happy, happy. right? Mm. There's always in community, in family, in work, there's always be the 10, 15% that is difficult for you to change. Their mindset is such, right? But you need to change the majority, 80 to 85%. They buy into the your vision, they buy into the idea, right? And if the idea align with their objective, definitely they'll support you. So how do you deal with those 10-15%? Because it's never, it's a bit like, uh, um, you know, in, in, in football, right? Uh, do you do you watch uh, Oh yes, football? I love it. Yeah. Uh, what fan are you? Uh, I'm Liverpool. This, uh, uh, Liverpool. I've been Liverpool fan since 1975. Okay, okay. Yeah. Not so good this season. <laughs> yes, yes, but, yes, not so good. But, um, the draw master now. <laughs> the, the, the thing, one, one of the things managers always say is the toughest part is to leave people out. Correct. Right, they choose the team to leave people out. Correct. So when you talk about the 10-15%, that reminded me of this, right? Right. I, and, and managers, good ones at least, they they think very hard how to manage the people that they don't pick, actually. Sure. Because if they, you get picked, you know, you, the, the players are happy. Correct. How do you do the 10-15%? Because, you know, 10-15% of people, in, unhappy people in the firm can, you know, destroy destroy the firm from the So game, you right? put, a, it's quite straightforward, very simple. You put a very strong KPIs, Right and also, uh, I basically what I do, I not managed by me. Of course, I got my team to manage and so on. So we put very clear KPIs, and we review that every quarter, right? And if they cannot follow, they will quit, mm. right? But if they are logical, rational, and and if the objective align with their vision, they'll follow and they change. Right. So they become the majority, right? Yeah, because. This group of rebellious always. Uh, some people you can always change. Some yeah, people yeah. You can't change. So it's just very simple. You just put the KPIs and just review them on quarterly basis. And and if they find stuff, and they'll leave. Mm. Okay, we are not doing anything personal, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? Because this you are you are you are paid to do certain scope of work mm. to perform certain things. Okay. Right. So that that is more to do with dealing with people mm. mostly under you. Yeah, you gave the example of uh, the orchestra. You right. are the conductor. Right. Now, in the example you give, there's always one conductor. Only. Correct. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depends how you look at it. In a corporate setting, there are many conductors, and uh, dealing with people under you is one thing, which is what you described. But how do you deal with people at your level? Because everybody is in a sense a boss. Everybody is in a sense a leader. In a sense, they have huge responsibilities. And you are speaking to them on the same level. And mm-hmm. you cannot speak to them uh, like you would someone below you or you have sure. to hit your KPI. Sure. Like that. Sure. And that can, many times can be a lot more difficult Absolutely. to handle. Absolutely. How do you do that? Also, I think it's very simple. I think... Uh, It's the way you address people at different level is in a different way, right? Okay. For example, you're talking about the CX level now. Right? The C-suites. The yes. C-suites, right? The C-suites. And also your fellow uh, yeah, board. Yeah, board board. Basically, I think uh, we must always believe we have a different strength, they have a different strength. I view our weaknesses and they have different weaknesses. Our mindset, our objective is, is to complement. Mm. The moment we think that we are superior than them, we want mm. to outdo each other, that's where the, the company will start collapsing and crumbling. Right, so respect of uh, equality is very important, 
right? In fact, when I was Nokia, I always encouraged that we need to have a very high diversity, including uh, male and female. Really? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. In fact, when I was Nokia, I, uh, I'm one of the earliest country in, I would say, APAC and Southeast Asia to have 30% leadership team. Female. Female. Okay. In Malaysia, right? I always believe that. So that it give a balance. Right. Right. Because guys, we have to come, sometimes can be very uh, objective, very, very hard and so on. But the ladies will bring their soft side, the motherly side, the caring side okay. and so on. Yeah, wow. yeah. So that's why you balance it. But how does this, okay, I mean, in a family context, it's easy to see. But right. how does this actually play out? In uh in 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 the in the workplace because one one criticism of what you suggested is always if let's say you put a quota right sorry uh, uh no uh, uh like a some sort of a principle or quota where you need thirty percent fee right right uh people will say yeah you know what the reason you are a board member the reason you are a C suite is because you are a female mm-hmm. right not because of something you did or your talent or your merit and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. but how does this actually play out? In 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 your experience, where the female provide the balance, because what's wrong with it's just all male, and what's wrong if it's all just hard and without that that female element? Okay, I I disagree with your first command. I think uh, okay. we have a lot of great female leaders in Malaysia. Yes, yes, where yes. I, th- I think we we have a lot of great female. Yes. It's just we didn't give them uh, yeah. the avenue, the chances yeah. for them to be there, yeah. right? I think, and I think uh, it's like food, right? Or colors, right? I think you need a different, different color to yeah, make yeah. it the world brighter, beautiful. Yeah, same yeah. goes to food. I mean, it can be same ingredient chicken, but the way you cook it and so on is different. That's the reason we need to have a different, different right, people right. to give a different output so that we get the max, uh, I would say optimum results. Yeah, so I I always think I think as a C-suite or as a leader, I think you have must have a very open mind, be objective about things, put your egos aside, <laughs> right? Mm. Right. It can be I I I I won't mention, but in my some of my previous organization, we have some. Westerners will come. They come with some superiorities uh, ah, feeling, right? Oh, no, 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 you, you yeah. know what I'm saying, right? But I I I I I always tell them sorry. That doesn't work. You come to Asia, start learning about Asia. I'm sure there's a good things about Asia. The way we manage in Asia, same. I also want to adapt some of the good things from West, right? So it's how we blend East and West, make the optimum for the company. And do these foreigners or Western foreigners respond to that? Uh, some of them positively. Some of them can be hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, it's always there, right? It's so I mean, going back to the the female one because this is. Uh, I mean, I mean, what I was alluding to is that when there's a quota, then there's a stigma because they might be talented, mm-hmm. but then people will say, ah, the reason you are there is because. I mean, I I, I disagree with that because like like you said, there are people women yeah. who are very talented. Mm-hmm. I think in Malaysia, I was just uh, reading that day. I think we have I think eleven investment banks in Malaysia. Three are headed by women. Global average is is actually fantastic, really, Correct. in terms of CEOs. Correct. But uh, in your ex- actual experience, I just want to see if you have a con- concrete example, right? Where have you found that the input of women has really helped, uh, at least, you know, provide a better strategy or paint a better picture for the company? In your experience, I don't want to be stereotyping, but okay. uh, one. Uh Example, I I won't see which company I cannot quote of the course, company, right? Uh, from the HR part, suddenly uh, we guys, I mean, tend to be very yes, fatherly, very HR. hard mm. HR. 
But as I say, I'm not stereotyping. Not necessarily only stereotyping. There's also good HR guys, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. male, right? They are good but, male nurses as well. Yeah, male nurses. Also. Yeah, so, yeah. but I'm not, not stereotyping. Okay. It's just example that came yes, yes, uh, yes, off yes. the cup to me, right? So basically, so we were very hard. I basically said, "Hey, this guy, I think we need to take actions." But she came with a different perspective. Basically, I think can we start talking to him? Uh, what happened to his family and so on? Then we understand why he's behaving. That within two weeks the guy changed really? his behavior. Oh. So because that brings the very mother motherly element towards the organization, right? So, yeah, right? yeah. As I say, I'm not stereotyping. This is a good male yeah, yeah. HR guys, and they right? are also hard uh, females. Exactly. I've seen that. <laughs> I don't want to mention. I've seen it in my yeah. old career. All right. Uh, in some engineering things, yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes female are more meticulous. To be honest with you. Oh, even yes. male, we have meticulous person too. I think uh, we were scratching our head why these things are working and how should we position those machinery into certain place. But uh, being very meticulous and so on, I think I think uh, this lady engineer came up with the brilliant ideas, yeah. right? So I think it's a balance of both. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, before before we end, right? Do you have a do you have a last tip for people? So you mentioned one is. Uh, You know, like diversity is 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 important. Uh, you know, understanding each other, not thinking that you are, um, especially with people on your level, not thinking that they are you are superior or anything. And of, of course, with people working under you, trying to find out what their like individual drives are, and mm-hmm. so you 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 don't fight that. Correct. You take that and just say. Align it, align it with what what yes. I want, right? And Correct. Then, and then the magic and the, the music happens. Right? Absolutely. Uh, we, we, do you have a, an, another one before we we sign off that oh, you would like to share? I, I I keep on telling this to a lot of people that I'm meeting. I think uh, the problem is new generation is I think they want instant gratification. That's mm. why suddenly you see mm. crypto coins working very well yeah, to the yeah. new generation. And, and people drop hop a lot, right? Like two exactly. year, one year, two year. Correct. Correct. So you need to work hard. To be smart, mm. work hard to be smart. Yeah. That's it, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, I, I, and of course, I can give a classes on that. But you definitely have to work hard. There's no such thing called shortcut, mm. fasting. Because I can understand nowadays because of the WhatsApp and so even including my son and my cousins and so on. Right? They want everything super fast, right? Uh, it's difficult, right? You need to really work hard, go through the mill, and be smart, right. And uh, you know, Dr. Siwa, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, this could have been a, a lot longer if uh, <laughs> it was an archaeology <laughs> podcast. Uh, I would have asked a lot more questions. Right. But yeah, if if you if someone wants to find you, mm-hmm. where can they go? Oh, they can uh, look at my website. Uh, not website. My email. I can give my email. Okay. Siwa three zero three at yahoo dot com. At yahoo dot com. Yeah. Do you have a uh, Instagram or a LinkedIn? I have, I have Instagram, can... but I'm not active. Okay, uh, okay. I'm not uh, active on IG. Okay. Right. I've got LinkedIn, of course. Oh, my LinkedIn is there. Siva. I'm in Facebook. Right. Uh, I'm very active in LinkedIn. <laughs> right, 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 right. right, right. Uh, okay. So you can always reach out to me on that. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's uh, been an absolute uh, pleasure, a uh, pleasure to get a, a rundown. Right uh, of the um, telecommunications industry and all that, and yeah, guys, if you enjoy this sort of video, you know, go like, comment, subscribe as usual. Uh, head on to Spotify, right? You can listen to us there as well. We put uh, Dato Siwa's uh, email in the comment section. And uh, signing off, I'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you. <laughs>